Welcome to OAC Vancouver's podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We believe that Jesus is needed and relevant for people in Vancouver today. The message of God's love and promise of wholeness was destined to be experienced within a faith community that worships, studies scripture, and prays together. We warmly welcome you to journey with us towards greater connection, purpose, and peace. We'll be sharing our recorded services and conversations with health and wellness experts. Enjoy. So this marks the final um, installment in a series called Participation. And I'm not sure that my remote iPad is working again. So I'm going to need some help from someone in the balcony to advance the slides. We're starting with the participation title slide. Thank you so much for, again, the initiative around here is incredible. We're starting with the participation slide. And this is a series that we entered at the end of August. And we said, you know, this is a time, the summer has passed. We're revisiting our spiritual fitness. And we recalled, so this is very Canadian content. It's Canadian in speak. We recalled how back in the late 70s and through the 80s that Canada had this national campaign to get people more fit and active called participation. And we were looking at how effective it was because they made it easy, they made it fun, they made it relevant. And there was Hal and Joanne who would give you these little pep talks and tips. And so for the past few weeks, we've been looking at some of the pep talks Jesus gave. What were his strategies for empowering and mobilizing, encouraging and inspiring his followers to be active in this new mission, in a new commission, to realize that that it wasn't on the shoulders of the Levites. It wasn't just priests and people who held, you know, temple positions that were being called to ministry. He was collecting like a ragtag, unexpected, eclectic bunch of people. Often they were young and untrained and a little bit chaotic, but he was rallying them together, bringing them into harmony around a shared mission and vision. And this ragtag bunch of disciples, he said, I'm empowering you. You are looking to me as the rabbi, but I'm commissioning you, not after you know, a lifetime of sitting at the feet of their rabbi, but just in a few short years, he said, go, I'm making you fishers of men. I'm giving you a new profession, a new career, a new calling, a new purpose. And he said, go and make disciples, continue to multiply, help other people catch the vision and take this vision to the whole world. So why is it so important that here at OAC, we talk about our calling, we talk about service, it's one of our core values, is because we have this integral theology. We have a a doctrine, actually, in the Seventh-day Adventist Church. It's number 14, and it talks about the Holy Spirit needs to unite us and empower us as the priesthood of all believers. And on one hand, it's saying that we don't need a priest to mitigate us for us anymore. We don't need the temple services. They were symbolic, but Jesus fulfilled all of those roles. But it's also to call us into a new understanding of temple service, to a new understanding of this Christian identity and what it means to take hold of the name of Christ. 
So we come to why ministry, why I'm looking at all of you as, as ministers or potential ministers here. And we find this word in Greek, it's uh, diakonos or diakonos, which we kind of extrapolate in churches as the deacon team or the deaconess team, which is a little bit of a misnomer because the idea of deacon was non-gendered in the Greek. It referred to no matter what gender you, you possessed, you were a deacon, which meant you were a servant. And that's because we recognize that Jesus, our rabbi, our teacher, our savior, our God, our creator, he himself called himself a servant. And he said, I came to serve and save the world and particularly the vulnerable, the lost, the discouraged, the hurting. And so if we are going to say, not only do I believe in Jesus, but I'm claiming to be a follower of Jesus. I'm claiming his name. I'm taking on his identity, the identity of Jesus Christ as a Christian. Interwoven into that identity is the purpose or the being of a servant. And so that's why we're here today. That's part of what our objective in today's ministry fair is to do, is to help encourage and inspire you to see yourself in that vision, in that calling, in that identity. And so how are we going to do this? And again, I've lost all connection to my slides, so I'm trying to do this on memory. Um, but we first take an assessment, right? When we looked at participation, assessing where we were at our fitness and our health, there's all sorts of tests and assessments you can take. If you're in PE class, you're told, you know, how many um, jumping jacks can you do in a minute? What's your speed for the sprint? How many sit-ups? How many pull-ups? Well, we have a spiritual assessment here that we use called SHAPE. And I think I have a slide that kind of breaks down shape as an acronym. Thank you very much. Yes, we're going to find out if we are fit for it. We are going to take an analysis and determine our shape. Now, shape is a nice acronym because it means you are shaped for ministry. It recognizes like a puzzle. We all have a place in which we can fit into ministry. And it uses a, a, an appropriate Acronym. I hate acronyms where the word has nothing to do with the objective you actually have. So we're going to walk you through kind of what are those reflective questions, what is the self-assessment that you can do to help um, the Holy Spirit speak to your heart about how you are shaped for ministry. And S starts with spiritual gifts. And this is absolutely the priority. So it's actually appropriately in order. Spiritual gifts are the gifts we possess as a gift of the Holy Spirit. So if we put up our next slide, I think we have a reference to many scriptures. It's like full of all the various scriptures that you can find. You could do an exhaustive Bible study on this where spiritual gifts are specifically detailed and they're also alluded to. Now, keep in mind, as we look at all of the New Testament references, these are written by one of the same authors, Paul. And so it kind of gives us a picture of how he's writing to different young churches, different startup groups, different church plants, home groups, and he's using different 
terminology. He's identifying different gifts in different scenarios. So what this tells me is that, you know, there isn't this lockdown. There's just seven spiritual gifts and you have one of them. It eludes and it gives us the impression that spiritual gifts might even expand beyond this list, which is why personally I'm not a fan of the spiritual gifts test because I feel like it could lock you into one of seven or 18 spiritual gifts and God could be blessing you with something that's not yet on there. But as we look at this list, leadership, teaching, entrepreneurship, you know, you think, well, there are people who don't know God, who maybe even reject God, and I know them to be an excellent leader. I know them to be an entrepreneur. I know them to actually have the gift of service and mercy and help. So here's an important distinction when it comes to spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are the gifts that are beyond ourselves, beyond our broken nature, beyond our imperfect, sin-corrupted selves that allow us, that empower and equip us to do spiritual work. So yes, while there are exceptional people who are caring, social justice advocates, entrepreneurs, leaders in the world, doesn't necessarily mean that that's coming from a spiritual giftedness. Where we distinguish and understand spiritual giftedness within the body of Christ, within the church, within Christian followers of Jesus is that with these giftedness, we impact the world in a spiritual way. So I think my next slide breaks down these, all of these different words really into four categories. And I love categorizing things. So when we look at all those different words and terms and, and abilities that come from the Holy Spirit, we can kind of see they work into four different veins. They are communicating the gospel, so that giftedness of exhortation, which really means encouragement or evangelism, is key to making something supernatural make sense to a hardened heart. That's a spiritual giftedness accomplishing a spiritual good of communicating the gospel. We also see those gifts at play in terms of coaching God's people, taking people along their spiritual journey and encouraging them or praying for them, interceding for them, or having spiritual discernment to be able to say, that place you are in your life, that's going to derail you. Or why don't you try this? That's going to bring you closer to Jesus. And then we see caring for God's community, which means both internal care, caring for our faith community, but also recognizing that God's community is this neighborhood. God's community is this city. God's community is this world. And so those gifts like mercy and help, um, miracle working, healing, those are gifts that are to show we care, we take the love that God has for us and we echo and we push it out and we ripple it out to our community. And finally, we see a lot of those gifts that come into play when we just celebrate God's presence. The gift of being able to prayer, of prayer, to pray in ways that just move people to the throne of God. The gift of worship 
are musicians who have their gifts. Again, musical talent aside, they have a gift to see that there is something that God is doing within them with their musical ability in order to celebrate the presence of God. And that's why I think some of you recognize that you could be listening to a worship song, maybe live or maybe recorded, and sometimes it just doesn't tug your heartstring the same way. Sometimes it just doesn't move you the same way. That's really where we can distinguish secular from spiritual because these words are just being communicated with ability, with talent. But the spiritual giftedness is to say, I'm going to take this ability, I'm going to celebrate the presence of God. And in this community, we have artists and we have musicians and we have tech nerds that celebrate the presence of God by using those talents in a spiritually empowered way. So thinking about that list of spiritual gifts, and maybe, Joey, can we go back a slide and just see see those listed. If you have your digital notebook, if you have a pen and pencil, I encourage you today as we go through the shape profile to take a couple of notes, write a couple of things down. When it comes to spiritual gifts, are you recognizing how God has gifted you in maybe one of these ways? Or perhaps you don't see it up there, but you know that something happened. You've done something. You've said something. You've served in a way where, wow, that was beyond me. That was not what I brought to the table. God, God did a move there, and he, he amplified what I did in just showing up. So if you're writing out the acronym, pick one or two things which you think, that's a spiritual gift. God has given me, if we go ahead, the ability to communicate, to coach, to care, um, and to celebrate. What, pick one of those things. If you can't land on a, a spiritual gift, think, I feel empowered in one of those four C's. That's a spiritual gifting. I'm called to coach. I'm called to care. I'm called to communicate. Are we ready for H? Let's move on a couple of slides ahead, and we'll get to our heart. This is where you feel, what am I passionate for? What do I get motivated about? Is there, um, you know, a role that I just love to play? You know, I love organizing things. Like I said, I like, I like seeing things in categories. Some of you love color coding. That's a role that you might be passionate about is organization. Or what kind of people do I love? Does my heart beat for children so that they are seen and recognized and valued? Does my heart beat for seniors, for refugees? As I hear the news about Afghanistan and Venezuela, is, is it consuming my thoughts? And it was like, I just feel compelled. I must do something to address the refugee crisis. Then maybe God has put that on your heart. Maybe God is bubbling up that passion for you to care for a particular group of people. Or is there a cause you just get fired up about? You know, so, some people get fired up about, you know, creation, creationism and, and different evidences in which to say, wow, this is definitely, we're intelligently designed. You know, there has to be another philosophy that's championed other than a scientific philosophy, or you want to marry science and your creation worldview. Or maybe it's a cause about the environment, and when you see someone chuck a can out the window, it just starts your insides churning, and you want to pick that up and throw it back in their car. 
that's a cause that maybe God is stirring within you your heart. And as we think about this, we recognize we can't all be passionate about everything. That would be exhausting. That would be depleting. And so God gives each of us, the Spirit moves on each of us differently in order that we can accomplish more and care more and be more effective. Because if you have a passion for the environment and you have a passion for seniors and you have a passion for kids and you have a passion for students and you have a passion for differently abled people, now as a community, we have touch points all over. So understand that it's impressive and valuable that somebody has a passion for something and it doesn't have to be yours. It's individual and unique. So as you're filling out your SHAPE acronym, take a moment right now. What, what does God put on your heart? What is a, a people group or a cause that you've been fired up about in the past? Are we ready to move on to A? Let's hit A. What is my ability? There's a couple of reflective questions here to think about. What is my skill set? What is a skill set that I possess? It could be a skill of translation, of knowing multiple languages. It could be a mathematical or number crunching skill set. It could be something like animal husbandry or cooking. What is a skill that comes to mind when you think people would tell you, wow, you're really skilled at? What comes to mind? What pops into your head there? What is my skill set? Another way to think about your abilities is, is there a class that you really enjoyed, that you really excelled at, that you were in, you know, the top 10 or 20% of your class because, wow, that really clicked for you. Some of you are teaching classes, and when you teach, it's definitely an indicator that you have mastery to some degree. So if you have ever taught a course, a seminar, a class, this is part of your skill set. And lastly, ability also includes availability. What is your availability? That's a key component because some of you are into your retirement years and now you have a lot of availability. Other people have maybe are caregivers almost 24-7 and they may not have a great deal of availability, but for projects, for seasonal um, objectives, or maybe it's a few moments. All they have in a week might be a few minutes. How can that availability be leveraged for the gospel, for the good of, of expanding the knowledge and the love of Jesus? Maybe in five minutes, that's all it takes to say a necessary prayer. Maybe 10 minutes is all it takes is to make a phone call to somebody who needs to feel less alone or to transcribe something from one language to another or to review the financials of a certain ministry. So think about availability, but also when we think about our abilities and our availability, we have to take inventory of our priorities and really assess, is my schedule based around priorities or is it based around distractions? When I look at my day, when I look at my week, what percentage is attending to my priorities self-care, care of my family, 
professional responsibilities, and what percentage is getting absorbed by distractions? Things that really aren't a priority when we take a worldview of an eternal, everlasting life with Jesus. A lot of us are getting sucked into the temporal, the here and now, the rat race, and the commercialism, the consumerism of our Western culture. And this is one of the hardest things I have found to challenge myself on is, is this really necessary to my life? Is this filling it with anything fulfilling and meaningful or purposeful? Or is this really just serving to be a distraction? Is this really just sucking my soul and not giving anything back? So take a moment as you think, how am I shaped for ministry and jot down what is my top ability that I think I can lend to the cause of the gospel, what, that I can serve Jesus with. And also put a note, yeah, I have, I have an hour a week, or maybe I have a day a month, or maybe it's I just have you know, a weekend in a quarterly season on a seasonal basis. But jot that down and commit today to taking that availability and surrendering it, offer it as a living sacrifice, as a gift of worship back to your creator. P, do you remember what the P stands for? Personality, personality, personality. I just have that song always when I see the word personality. Personality tests are abundant, and they are helpful if you are still trying to figure out kind of who you are and what makes you tick and what you're motivated by. But I think some of the best information about personality comes from people around you, people who will say, oh yeah, I see that when you're around people, you're energized, you're definitely more extroverted. Or, wow, I saw how after that meeting ended, you just collapsed into a chair. Maybe a lot of people, maybe that party that drains you is indicating you're not energized by a high group of people. You need some alone time, some quiet time. You might be more introverted. There's also a spectrum of, you know, do I like to do tasks? Do I like to have a succinct, I'm going to do this and I'm going to tick it off? Or would I rather spend my time just developing relationships? being on that phone call, getting to know somebody, um, writing an encouraging card, then you're more oriented to relationships than tasks. Or perhaps you're more, um, you love and enjoy a, a task that is routine and planned. You know every single Monday it's going to look like this. Every single Saturday it's going to look like this. My role is going to be um, very predictable and I'm happy and comfortable that way. I would suggest that um, being a kids' ministry leader may not be the, the role for you. you. You probably will thrive in kids' ministry if you can roll with variety and spontaneity because you never know what's going to happen. Same, though, I think in every ministry, we need both. We need people who are going to bring a very routine, ordered lens to the table and people who can just roll with it. It happens in our media ministry every single Sabbath where we need a structure and a system, but we also know the unexpected is going to happen and we just have to roll with it. And having different people on the team balances us out and brings us into a harmonious goal. 
um, Holland has got sort of six personality categories that um, I think are the most succinct for a slide, but you can find all sorts of personality assessments that will put you in a spectrum of 16 groupings or 12 groupings, but I like to keep it very simple. And Holland kind of has these terms, these keyword terms as they relate to six different personality types. And this is often used for vocational or career coaching. And um, you might know them as being a realistic individual, an investigative individual, con conventional, artistic, social, or enterprising. And often we're a blend of two or three, but we tend to have a leaning towards um, one or two of them. So what's your personality and where do you see that fitting when it comes to church ministry, when it comes to sharing the gospel? Do you need to be behind the scenes just helping, you know, do mail-outs or crunch numbers? Or do you want to be, you know, up front and engaging and rallying people together? Or do you want to be using your creative abilities to enrich in worship and celebrate God in new ways? And lastly, E. Do you remember what the E stands for? Your experience. That's right. And so your experience, no matter how old you are, if you're 10 or if you're um, 90, you have some experience in life. You have work or vocational experience. If you're still at home, you have experience doing chores around the household. And you know which chores you like and which you don't. That's what you're always negotiating with your siblings about. Um, you think about your spiritual journey. What was the trigger point? Where is the starting point for your spiritual journey? That often shapes ministry. If you came to your spiritual journey through a creation, evolution, debate, or seminar, that might be something that's going to shape your calling in the future. Or maybe you came in because you had a wonderful kids ministry leader who just made everything fun and special, and you want to replicate that experience for somebody else. You've been modeled how to do that. So God uses our experience. Also, if you've been dabbling into some ministry areas or community volunteering, you might know already what, what's kind of... Um, been shaping you to either do more of that or less of that. And finally, life experience. And this is a tough one because it makes us face some of the more painful or challenging experiences we have overcome. But often the best person to do homeless ministry is somebody who's been on the streets themselves. Somebody to guide addiction ministry, addiction recovery, is if they themselves have gone on that journey and overcome it. The best people to minister to young newlyweds is to have a support group with other young newlyweds, but also to have somebody who's achieved a successful marriage 20, 30 years that could give their wisdom, the spiritual gift of wisdom and encouragement to young families, or same with parents. What are the maybe more painful, maybe more hard moments of your life that there is an opportunity for God to redeem? Not that he caused it for this purpose, but that he can take those lemons and make a lemonade of ministry when you surrender that experience and say, God, you got me through it. How can I help somebody else 
overcome this and get through this similar experience. These are the ways that we are shaped for ministry. When you jot down and you reflect on those five different aspects, you start to get a pretty good picture. You start to get some pretty strong hints about where God might have you involved in a faith community, have you engaged in the commission to share the gospel and to inspire others to become disciples of Jesus. Here at OAC, we see our vision as being able to share freely the transforming love of Jesus to everyone. That means that Whatever our ministry is, whether it is opening up the church, turning on the lights and the heat on Saturday morning, there is a role that is necessary for that first-time guest who's going to come in and feel like, oh, this is a comfortable and clean space. I feel relaxed here. For the greeter who just puts on a genuine smile and says, wow, welcome, so glad to meet you. Is it your first time or haven't seen you in a while? It's wonderful to have you back with us. All these little actions, none are insignificant in our vision to extend the transforming love of Jesus. What we do here, every little task, winding up the cables of all the instruments at the end of the day, it all plays a role in how we can communicate the gospel, care for our community, coach one another in service and in harmony. Every little task is equally significant, and without it, we feel the pinch points. We feel the lost opportunities when we are seeking extra hands on deck or extra feet on the ground or extra shoulders to just come alongside us and encourage us. Spiritual gifts are given for the harmony of the church. And you are gifted and empowered by the Holy Spirit in ways to serve, in ways in which you are a minister. You see, the Bible um, talks about sort of uh, certain roles like evangelists, pastors, teachers, and these are kind of administrative roles. They are meant to encourage, guide, and equip. But really, Scripture is telling us that every believer is a minister. As a pastor, my, my job is just to guide and shepherd and to offer some direction and to sort of say, there's the path, this is the course, this is our end goal. But the ministry of the church happens by the members. Elton Trueblood says, to say I am not a minister is another way of saying I'm not a Christian. It's that intertwined. When we see what happens um, in baptism, in our understanding of baptism, where we enter the waters and we are raised to new life, we actually see an echo of what happened when Aaron and his, his children were ordained as priests. They would wash in the water, there would be a sacrifice of blood, and they'd be anointed by oil, meaning they are fit for service. And this kind of is replaced by the New Testament act of baptism. People were called into the waters of repentance, into new life. They then were exposed to the Passover meal in a new light, taking the blood, the wine as the blood of Jesus' sacrifice, and the bread as his broken body. 
And then we see Pentecost where the Holy Spirit comes upon the believers and gives them gifts of language, gives them gifts of communication, of boldness, of conviction. And so as you're journeying in this spiritual walk, you might have come here just curious, that's fine, you're welcome. But I know some of you have already made the decision to be called a Christian, to be committed and to live under the umbrella, under the identity as a follower of Jesus, to take his name, to take his purpose. And I feel like sometimes we do a disservice in baptism because we forget that the next step is to anoint you, to commission you, to ordain you to your Holy Spirit called ministry. One of the founding, uh, founders of our denomination had this to say. Ellen White writes, Sermons have been in great demand among our churches. Isn't that true today? We look, who's, who's exciting and interesting to listen to? Especially during the pandemic. I know there was a lot of digital church hopping and scrolling. You're like, I'm craving just that that, you know, punch of inspiration, that meaningful talk, that powerful, funny, engaging presentation. And she's saying this was true in the 1800s. Sermons have been of such great demand in our churches that the members have depended on pulpit declarations instead of the Holy Spirit. Uncalled for and unused spiritual gifts bestowed on the people have dwindled into feebleness. Wow, what a sad state she's painting. What untapped potential her heart is yearning to just unleash. And that's in part why we're trying once a month going forward a community Sabbath where different people with different gifts can take a leadership role, can, can be engaged in saying, you know what, I have a passion for entrepreneurialism. I want to I encourage those people who are entrepreneurs because entrepreneurialism exists in the business world, but as a spiritual gift, those are apostles, those are church planters, those are ministry innovators. Or we have somebody who says, we're not, we could really grow our kids' ministry. Well, that community Sabbath is a time to huddle up and say, let's dream, let's commit, let's plan. What are we going to do for kids' ministry? Or maybe there's a new um, outreach we could be doing. There's an opportunity to help find each other and help work together on expanding our effectiveness, on really becoming movers and shakers in this world. To me, the body of Christ, the church, is like the best TikTok duet. This is a case where somebody came in and was kind of throwing shade, a little bit of a party pooper, and the internet just rallied around and said, I see that criticism, and I'll trump you one. And as it, as it advanced, this video now, when I last looked it up, has over 46,000 creations using her original audio clip. The world is hungry for creative collaboration. And while this may be a meme that disappears in a few weeks, and maybe it's just brought a smile to your day, what the church is called to do is not make somebody's day better. The church is called to make somebody's life better, 
to transform lives by the incredible grace of Jesus, the transformative love of Jesus. And as we each play our roles, as we each add to the compilation that is the body of Christ, that is the church, we can have such a bigger impact than this viral video. And we can shape help shape the family of God. We get a front row seat. When you serve, when you're in ministry, it becomes self-motivating and rewarding. When you see that individual who next takes the plunge of baptism and you realize, wow, I was their kids' church leader, or I remember the day I first greeted them when they walked in the door, or I'm so glad that I helped review the budget that paid for young adult ministry, or I'm so... Um, filled and excited that my prayers were answered. OAC, let us be a people that recognize we were created for ministry. We were saved for ministry. You're called to ministry. And you've been spiritually empowered and gifted for ministry. Today, we're authorizing you to do ministry. Unlike other churches that have a long process and a nominating committee and a pre-nominating committee and invitations, we simply say the Holy Spirit is bigger than the bureaucracy. And if you're gifted, if you're passionate, if you're available, that's a sign enough for us that you need to be serving here. You are also accountable for your ministry and your spiritual journey is going to light up, is going to have the fan of that fire flamed because this church needs your ministry and I believe you'll be rewarded for your ministry. Thank you for listening to OAC Vancouver's podcast. Learn more at oacvancouver.ca. If you're in Vancouver, join us for worship Saturdays at 11 a.m. at 5350 Bailey Street. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate, review, and subscribe. God bless you and have a wonderful day.